Sermon 4 of the Sermons upon the Epistle of St. Paul to the Ephesians by John Calvin, translated by Arthur Golding. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. God hath accepted us in his well-beloved, by whose blood we have redemption, that is to wit, forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, whereof he hath shed out abundance upon us in all wisdom and understanding, by making us to know the secret of his will, according to his good pleasure which he purposed in himself, to the intent to deal it forth when the time were full come, that is to wit, to gather all things together by Christ, as well the things in heaven, as the things on earth in the selfsame. I have declared already that we cannot be beloved of God but by the means of his only Son. For if the angels of heaven be not worthy to be taken for God's children, but by the means of a head and mediator, what shall become of us that cease not to provoke God's wrath daily by our wicked doings, as folk that do indeed fight against him? God must then be fain to look upon us in the person of his only Son, or else he must needs hate us and abhor us. To be short, our sins do set God and us so far at odds that we cannot so soon come towards him, but by and by we feel his majesty utterly against us, and as it were armed to put us to utter confusion. But now remaineth to see how God receiveth us into his favour, by means of our Lord Jesus Christ. That is the thing which St. Paul meaneth in adding, that in him we have redemption through his blood, that is to wit, forgiveness of our sins according to the riches of God's grace. Here we be first of all done to understand that the enmity which God beareth us is not in respect of our nature, but in respect of our corruption. I say it is not in respect of nature, for as in respect that God hath creased us, it is certain that he cannot hate us, for as in respect that God hath created us, it is certain that he cannot hate us. But inasmuch as mankind is utterly marred and given over to all naughtiness, God must needs be as a mortal enemy to us, and as an adversary against us, till the remembrance of our sins be buried out of our sight. For we be subject to everlasting death, till we be restored again, by reason whereof, God, being the fountain of all justice and righteousness, doth utterly hate and abhor the evil that he seeth in us. Therefore, until such time as our sins be blotted out, it is impossible for us to hope that God should either favour or love us. But let us mark here how St. Paul useth two words to express how we be reconciled to God. First he setteth down the ransom or redemption, which is all one, and afterward the forgiveness of sins. How cometh it then to pass that God's wrath is pacified, that we be made at one with him, yea, and that he accepteth and devoureth us for his children? It is by the pardoning of our sins, saith St. Paul. And furthermore, because redemption is requisite thereunto, he matcheth that with it also. True it is, that as in respect of us, God wipeth away our sins of his own free goodness, and showeth himself altogether bountiful of himself, without respect of any recompense for it at our hands. And in good sooth, what man were able to make amends for the least fault he hath committed? Then, if every of us should employ his whole life in making satisfaction for any one fault alone, and by that means seek to win favour at God's hand, it is certain that the same doth far surmount all our abilities. And therefore God must be fain to receive us to mercy without looking for any recompense or amends at our hands. But yet for all this the atonement, which is freely bestowed, as in respect of us, did cost the Son of God very dear, for he found none other payment than the shedding of his own blood, insomuch that he made himself our borrow, both in body and soul, and answered for us before God's judgment, to get us our discharge, 
our Lord Jesus Christ, say I, employed himself wholly both body and soul, for it had not been enough for him to have suffered so cruel and slanderous a death in the sight of men, but it behoved him also to abide such horrible anguish in himself, as if God had been become a judge to him, for he came to that point, that he sustained the person of all sinners, to make full amends for them all. And so ye see, why St. Paul hath matched those two words together in this strain. Therefore, we have to mark first of all, that we can obtain no favour at God's hand, nor be received of him till our sins be wiped out, and the remembrance of them clean put away. The reason whereof is, as I said afore, that God must needs hate sin, wheresoever he sees it. So then, as long as he considereth us as sinners, he must needs abhor us, for there is not anything in ourselves, nor in our own nature, but all manner of naughtiness and confusion. Then are we enemies and adversaries unto him till we come to the remedy that St. Paul showeth us here, which is to have our sins forgiven. Hereby we see that no man can be loved of God for any worthiness that is in himself, for wherein lieth the love that God beareth us. I have told you already that he must be fain to cast his eye upon our Lord Jesus Christ, and not to look a whit at us. But yet therewithal it is declared further that God doth never like well of us till he have released us our debts, and adopted us to be his children, notwithstanding that we be worthy of death before him. Thus ye see that the assurance of our salvation, as is said in the song of Zechariah, that is that God be merciful to us and forgive us our sins, whereby we were become his enemies. Howbeit, let us also bear in mind that the clear release of our sins, through God's free goodness, is not done without the ransom that was paid by our Lord Jesus Christ, not in gold nor silver, as saith St. Peter in his first epistle, but in such wise that he which was the unspotted lamb was fain to serve that turn his own self. Wherefore, whensoever we intend to seek God's favour and mercy, let us fasten all our wits upon the death and passion of our Lord Jesus Christ, that we may there find therewith to appease God's wrath. And furthermore, seeing that our sins are done away by such payment and satisfaction, let us understand that we cannot bring aught of our own for the which we should be reconciled unto God, wherein we see how the devil hath by his sights cut off all hope of salvation from the world by bearing men in hand, that they must every man ransom himself and make his own atonement with God. And that is the very thing which men call good works, merits, and virtues in papistry. For to what end tend all the inventions which they have forged, why martyr they themselves after so many fashions, so as men never make an end, day nor night, but are ever still making new windlasses and courses? The mark that all these things aim at is to pacify God, and so all the good works which are so counted in papistry are nothing else but means whereby to make amends for sin. Howbeit, that is but a defacing of the ransom whereof St. Paul speaketh here. For there is, as you would say, an inseparable bond between these two things, namely that God putteth our sins out of his remembrance, and drowneth them in the bottom of the sea, and moreover receiveth the payment that was offered him in the person of his only Son. Therefore we cannot attain the one without the other. Wherefore, if we intend to have God's favour, let us consider that we be his enemies till he have pardoned all our sins by his own free goodness, and yet notwithstanding that our Lord Jesus Christ must be fain to step in between him and us. For the sacrifice of his death serveth to purchase us an everlasting atonement, so as we must always flee thither for refuge. True it is that the whole life of our Lord Jesus Christ is become our ransom, for the obedience which he yielded to God his Father in the world was to make amends for Adam's offence, and 
for all the iniquities wherethrough we be run in arrearages. Albeit St. Paul speaketh here purposely of his blood, because it behoveth us to resort to his death and passion, as to the sacrifice which is of power to blot out all our sins. And for that cause hath God represented in figures under the law, that men could not be reconciled unto him, but only by that means. Now it is true that Jesus Christ did not only shed his blood, namely at his death, but also feel the fear and terror which ought to have lighted upon us. But St. Paul doth here under one parallel comprehend the whole after the ordinary manner of the Holy Scripture. To be short, let us repose all our righteousness in God's showing of himself merciful towards us, of his own free goodness, and let us not presume to face him with any virtue of our own, thereby to bind him unto us, but let it suffice us that he receiveth us into his favour, freely, without any desert of ours, only because the remembrance of our sins is buried out of his sight. And again, let us understand that the same cannot be done but by the death and passion of our Lord Jesus Christ, and that that is the thing whereupon we must wholly rest. Hereupon St. Paul addeth that all is done according to the riches of God's grace. Not without cause doth he here magnify God's mercy which he uttereth in receiving us to favour. For we see on the one side how men do willfully overshoot themselves through their foolish overweening. For most men have always imagined that they might make their atonement with God by their own satisfactions, and I wot not what shifts besides. Seeing then that men are so far overseen in their own imaginations, St. Paul, to exclude all such dealing, saith that we must be ravished in love with the riches of God's goodness. He could have said simply that God doth all according to his grace, but he setteth down here his great treasures, to the intent that men should not be so fond as to bring, as it were, but a farthing for the discharge of ten hundred thousand crowns. And truly, when the papists prattle of their satisfactions, they say not that they be able to do it thoroughly in all points, but they are of opinion that with the death and passion of our Lord Jesus Christ, they also are able to bring somewhat of their own, and to do so much by patches and pieces, as God shall be satisfied and contented. Thus ye see what a devilish opinion reigneth in papistry, for they will needs found masses, they will needs babble many prayers, they will needs gad on pilgrimage, they will needs keep this fast and that fast, they will needs perform I would not what devotions, they will needs wear sackcloth next their skin, and all to help forth the death and passion of our Lord Jesus Christ, as who should say it were not sufficient enough of itself. But St. Paul telleth us that God's goodness, as it is showed us in Jesus Christ, is so great a treasure that all other things must needs give over and be thrust under foot. And seeing that God useth so great bountifulness as we ought to be wholly ravished at it, is it not too outrageous a presumptuousness when we will needs bring our own pelting trash, as though our going on pilgrimage and our doing of some other devotions were of any value or estimation? Is it not all one as though the blood of Jesus Christ were not a sufficient price, I say a sufficient price and ransom for our salvation? Ye see then on the one side how St. Paul meant here to cut off all occasions of the fond imaginations that men conceive in surmising themselves able to pacify God's wrath by their own satisfactions and payments, and on the other side how he purposed to succour our feebleness. For although we be given to believe wondrous well of our own virtuousness, and to bear ourselves in hand that God is greatly beholden unto us, yet notwithstanding when it cometh to the calling upon God in good earnest, and to the putting of our trust in him, then if Satan egg us to despair, that we be tossed with troubles and temptations, we be so dismayed that all the promises of the Holy Scripture, 
and all that is said unto us of the death and passion of our Lord Jesus Christ cannot make us to have any hope. St. Paul, therefore, to remedy this vice of unbelief, which is too deeply rooted in us, doth here set before us the great treasures of God's goodness, to the end that all the distrust which we can conceive may be, as it were, swallowed up, seeing that God vouchsafeth to use so great bounteousness towards us. And hereupon he addeth that he hath made the same grace to abound towards us in all wisdom and understanding. By these words he doth us to wit by what means we come by the thing that he had specified afore. Behold, all our happiness and all our sovereign welfare consisteth in being at one with God, so as he may take us for his children, and it may be lawful for us to call upon him as our father with full liberty. But how shall we obtain that thing from which we be so far wide? It is said that although we be naught worth, nor naught can do, yet we shall find all things in Jesus Christ which are wanting in ourselves, and that his death and passion will be a sufficient sacrifice to put away the remembrance of all our misdeeds. Albeit doth it follow, therefore, that all men are partakers of this benefit which is purchased for us by our Lord Jesus Christ? No, for the unbelievers have neither part nor portion in it. Then is it a special privilege for those whom God gathereth to himself, also st paul showeth that either we must have faith or else christ shall not boot us at all although then that god be generally the redeemer of the whole world yet doth his death and passion advantage none but such as receive the thing that st paul showeth here and so we see that when we once know the benefits that are brought us by christ and which he offereth us daily by his gospel we must also be knit unto him by faith for the turks jews and papists and all other like are cut off and estranged from Christ, and rot away in their own filth, because they presume to work wonders of themselves. For it is a common principle among the papists, Jews, Turks, and all heathen men that ever were, that they must appease God's wrath. And how? By a great sort of means, of their own devising, and of every man's imagining of his own brain. Such men, therefore, have no part in Christ." Wherefore, if faith be the key that openeth the door to enjoy the treasure whereof Paul spake even now, then is that the next way to make us rich, so far forth as shall be requisite for our salvation, so as we shall not want anything if we be knit unto Christ by faith. Notwithstanding, it is not for naught that St. Paul hath here set down this two words of wisdom and understanding, for they do us to wit that the learning of the gospel is enough to bring us to all perfection, and that whatsoever is added, moreover, is but dung, filth, and rottenness. To be short, St. Paul's entitling of the gospel with these two honourable terms is to the end that every man should quietly give ear to the things that God teacheth him by the means of his only Son, and that we should yield ourselves so teachable unto him as not to take upon us to know aught than that which cometh out of his mouth, but simply receive whatsoever he speaketh, and continue in the same to the end, though the whole world despise us, and all men set themselves against us, and not pass for all the slights of the world, as many men do, who have itching ears, and are always desirous to hear some new thing. To the end, therefore, that we be not so wavering, nor overled by foolish desire of knowing more than is lawful for us to know, let us mark well how St. Paul saith here that, if we have once profited thoroughly in the gospel, we shall find there all wisdom to the full, so as we may reject all other things, not only as needless, but also as noisome, because that by them we shall be turned from the pure doctrine, whereby it is his will to have us knit unto him. 
To be short, St. Paul meant to show here that God doth us an inestimable good turn when he vouchsafeth to call us to the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, his only Son, and that when we have him we must despise all other things, and not be troubled with a foolish desire of knowing this or that, because that as I have said already, the full perfection of all our knowledge is there, that is to wit, in our Lord Jesus Christ. And here ye see also why it is said to the Colossians that he had been a faithful teacher, yea, even to bring men to the perfection of wisdom. Indeed, he confesseth that he was rude and homely of speech, and that he had neither the wisdom nor the eloquence that was highly commended in the world, but yet he declareth that if his doctrine were received, there should be found a full substance in it for the full nourishment of men's souls, and that there needeth not any more to be added unto it. When we hear these things nowadays, we must take warning to bridle ourselves and to repress the fond over-curiousness that is rooted too deeply in us, that we may hold us to the pure doctrine of the gospel and rest wholly thereupon. Thus you see in effect what we have to gather upon that strain. Herewithal let us mark the thing that I have touched already, namely that as oft as the gospel is preached, so oft is God's grace spread out upon us, if we acknowledge his goodness and liberality which maketh us to perceive by his moistening of the earth to the end it should yield us fruits to the sustenance of our bodies much more may we understand that when god sendeth us the word of salvation he not only watereth us to the welfare of our souls but also giveth us so largely thereof to drink as we may be thoroughly satisfied therewith for st paul thinks it not enough to say that whereas we be barren we have some refreshing by the gospel but he saith that it is as if god should pour down all unduance of water upon us and that we might be so watered and refreshed with it as we might gather substance and lustiness of it to hold out to the end and so you see in what wise we ought to esteem of god's goodness when he vouchsafeth to draw us to him by means of his gospel and that therewith we enter into possession of the benefits that have been purchased for us by our Lord Jesus Christ, according as he offereth them to us by his word, and will have us also to receive them by faith. Now for a larger opening of the matter, he addeth immediately that his so doing is because he hath uttered the secret of his will unto us, even according to his own good pleasure, which he had purposed afore in himself. Lo here another thing which ought to advance the dignity of the gospel yet more, which is that there we have the secrets which were hidden heretofore in God. And it is not here only that St. Paul speaketh after this manner, but we shall see yet a larger discourse of it in the second chapter. And not only in this epistle, but also everywhere else, he showeth how we ought to be, as it were, ravished at the preaching of the gospel, because God doth there open the things that were incomprehensible to all men before, and which no man would never have believed or once thought of. For he seemed to have chosen the only line of Abraham in such wise as if he had cast away all the world besides. Therefore, it was a wonderful thing when he poured out his grace in common upon all nations. Yet notwithstanding we know that at such time as Jesus Christ came into the world, the very selfsame people were grown out of kind, and God's doctrine was so corrupted that there was nothing but superstition among the Jews. It seemed then that all had been past hope of recovery, when suddenly, beyond the opinion of all men, behold, salvation was offered to all nations. Behold, Christ, which had erst been hidden in deep darkness, yea, and in so deep darkness, as there was not any hope that ever he should have come out of it, rose up as the day-sun of righteousness, to give light to the world. For this cause, therefore, doth St. Paul say that in the gospel we be made privy to the secrets of God's will. True it is that at the first sight there seemeth to be nothing but simple stuff in the gospel, 
and that is a cause also why many scoffers think that the things which are contained in the gospel do serve but for idiots, and they bear themselves in hand that they are able to devise many wittier things in their own dreams and dotages than all the doctrine is that concerneth Jesus Christ. But such folk are unworthy to taste of the thing that is showed us here, for their pride doth utterly blind them, and make them stark dolts. Notwithstanding, howsoever they fare, yet the faithful perceive full well that there is a divine majesty in the doctrine of the gospel. And for that cause, St. Paul doth give us to wit in this same text, that our coming thither must not be to learn any common thing, but to lift up ourselves above the world, for we shall never be good scholars to Godward, nor never be in any towardness to profit in his school, except we mount above the world, and reverence the things that God speaketh with his own holy mouth. To be short, the beginning and entrance of our faith is lowliness. But how can men well humble themselves unless they know that the things which God telleth them do far surmount their own wit and capacity? Ye see then that the thing whereat St. Paul aimed is that we should reverence the gospel, assuring ourselves that it is not for us to judge whether God have spoken well or ill. For it becometh us to be fully resolved that all that ever cometh from him is infinite wisdom, yea, and such wisdom as is utterly faultless. To the end, therefore, that all glorying may be beaten down in ourselves, and we learn to reverence soberly and modestly the doctrine that is preached to us in God's name, St. Paul hath purposely set down this secret. And to the end we should know how much we be bound unto God, he repeateth this word according to his good pleasure, which he had set down before. And that is done to put away and to shut out all opinion which men might conceive of their own worthiness. For God's good pleasure can have no place unless men be barred from all deserving and repair to him utterly empty. For so soon as we presume to bring anything at all unto God, surely it is an advancing of ourselves to the defaming of God's grace, so as it may have no more beauty nor preeminence among us as it ought to have. To the end, therefore, that men should forbear such presumptuousness, St. Paul sendeth us still back to God's good pleasure, as if he should say that there was none other cause of the preaching of the gospel to the world than the only frank and free goodness of God. Yet notwithstanding to repress all over boldness of men, he addeth that God had purposed the said ordinance and the said high incomprehensible determination of his will aforehand in himself. For what is the cause that men take so great liberty of questioning, disputing, and going to law with God, but for that, to their seeming, they treat of matters which ought to be open and manifest unto them? So then, St. Paul, perceiving us to be so foolish and rash as to presume over boldly to be inquisitive of God's purpose, saith, It is a sealed letter, and that God hath his purpose in himself, and that it is not lawful for creatures to mount so high, and that if they do so, it is the next way to cast them down and to break their necks. True it is that we may well apply our whole endeavour to know God's will, howbeit that must be no further than he hath uttered in his word, for his word is our light. But if God do once hold his peace, he will have us to bridle, and as it were to imprison ourselves, and not to start out any further, for if we would needs know more than is granted us, that is to say, more than we ought to know, and more than is imparted to us by his word, it were but an entering further and further into a maze, or rather into the bottom of hell. Therefore let us mark well how St. Paul's meaning in this text is that whensoever God keepeth his purpose to himself, it becometh us to stoop and to hold ourselves contented to be ignorant of it. For it is a cursed wisdom, and such a wisdom as sendeth us to the pit of hell, when we take leave to know more than God hath taught us. 
And contrary wise, we be wiser in our ignorance than all the wise men of the world, when we take not upon us to know anything further than God's word guideth and governeth us. True it is that there is not any more than only one single will in God, nevertheless he uttereth the same unto us according to our capacity, and so far forth as is expedient and profitable for us. As for example, we have seen that the forgiveness of sins is a point that we cannot overpass nor forbear. Therefore, Zechariah calls it the knowledge of salvation. Again, it standeth us on hand to know where the forgiveness of our sins is to be sought for. For, if we have not Jesus Christ, we continue still enemies unto God. We have no agreement nor rest in ourselves, and God's justice must needs pursue us. But Jesus Christ is our peace. Furthermore, when we know the things that are witnessed to us by God's word, we must therewithal reverence the mysteries that are hidden from us, as hath been said already, and must hereafter be said again when we come to God's election. And St. Paul doth yet again set down here the word of foreordaining or forepurposing to show that God had predestinated us before the making of the world, and yet that the same was hidden. Yea, verily, but now is the same discovered unto us, saith he. Thus ye see in effect that the thing which we have to bear in mind is that we be not called to the knowledge of the gospel by our own towardness, nor for that any of us putteth forth himself to it of his own accord, nor for that we have bound God unto us by any virtue of ours, but for that God of his own infinite goodness listed to enlighten us. And he hath not done it because it came suddenly in his mind to do it, as men are wont to do, who are carried with sudden braids, but because he had determined the same in his own purpose, even from before all time. And if our wits be ticklish and provoke us to be inquisitive, and to say, How so? Had God chosen us aforehand? And why then did he not utter it unto us sooner? How happeneth it that it was not perceived ere this? To the end we should not so overshoot ourselves. St. Paul saith that this purpose was after a sort locked up in God till it was uttered unto us. And so, to be short, it is not lawful for us to know any more than is uttered unto us in the gospel. And look what is showed us there, it behoveth us to reverence it. And for the same cause it is added that his so doing was to set forth the same in the fullness of time. Now herein he showeth that men may well vex themselves, but yet shall they come short of their purpose, and all their wits and imaginations shall fail them, if they go about to know more than God hath given them leave to know. For if any man demand why God hasted no rather to do it, therein he showeth that he would be wiser than God, and is not that a devilish pride? Is the creature worthy to go upon the ground, when it advanceth itself so high? For this cause St. Paul saith that the appointing thereof belongeth unto God. For if a man may set order after this manner in his own house, and say, I will have my folk to fare thus, I will have them to drink such drink, I will have them to eat that kind of bread, I will have them lodged after this manner, how much more ought we to let God do so? Why should he have less privilege than worms of the earth? Therefore let us give God leave to dispose of his church and of the welfare of his chosen, as liketh best himself. And as for the time, let us take that for the full time which it shall please him to show us. For it is not for us to be either judges or umpires in this case, to measure the times, years, moons, or days, but it ought to content us that God listeth to have it so. Some man will argue the case and say, What, I pray you, behold, so a thousand years passed between the fall of Adam and the coming of Christ, and could not God have remedied the matter by sending the Redeemer of the world sooner? 
see what a number of wretched folk wandered away in darkness behold the destruction of mankind as a water flood that swallowed up many things and yet in the meanwhile jesus christ was hidden besides this a small number of men called of him alone by figures and shadows for none but the jews waited for the redeemer to obtain salvation by his means and yet even they were fain to use calves and sheep and other brute beasts to ascertain themselves of the forgiveness of their sins and that god was merciful to them if a man ask how this cometh to pass let us repair to that which is said here in one word namely that the time was not yet fully come and why because god had so appointed it and this is the very selfsame thing that we have seen already in the epistle to the galatians where st paul repressed all the foolish gazings wherethrough men wander away in mounting up higher than is lawful for them to do therefore let us conclude that it is god's peculiar office to appoint times and seasons and that we must not think any other to be the due than that which he appointeth for albeit that winter and summer be ordinary with us every year yet if summer come over late we must bridle ourselves and not grudge against god we may well say alas if it pleased god to send us heat it should be well welcome but yet in the meanwhile we must fully resolve ourselves thus it belongs to god to govern and all sovereignty and authority pertain to him if we ought to behave ourselves so modestly as in respect of the order of nature which is common among us and wherein god shows himself familiarly unto us what ought we to do when we come to the scanning of the heavenly secrets as of the everlasting salvation of our souls and of this high mystery that the son of god is come to set the things in their state again which were lost and perished doth it not become us to stoop in that case and humbly to take in good worth whatsoever god telleth us and to like of that which he liketh thus ye see why st paul spake here expressly of the fullness of time as if he should say that we can never profit in the gospel till we yield god so much honour as to hold ourselves contented by his only will so as we step not forth to reply against him nor face him with our jangling but glorify him by acknowledging his will to be the rule of all wisdom and of all right and of all equity and for the better declaration hereof he addeth immediately that it was to gather all things together as well in heaven as in earth by jesus christ in himself as touching this word gather st paul meant to show us thereby how we be all of us horribly scattered till such time as our lord jesus christ set us in array again and this is verified not only of us but also of all other creatures to be short it is all one as if he had said that the whole order of nature is as good as defaced and all things decayed and disordered in the sin of adam till we be repaired again in the person of our lord jesus christ for although we behold god's wonderful wisdom power goodness justice and righteousness in all creatures yet notwithstanding there are marks of sin both above and beneath and all creatures are subject to corruption and all is disordered by reason that god hateth and rejecteth us needs therefore must a restorement be made by jesus christ and that is the thing that is meant by the gathering together that st paul speaketh of here to the end we would learn to mislike of ourselves and to be ashamed of the disorder that is in ourselves and wherewith the whole world is filled through our sinful life and moreover learn also to magnify god's goodness so much the more then on the one side the holy ghost warneth us in this text that not only we ourselves are out of order but also that we have brought the whole world to the same point and do keep it still at the same stay daily by our sins and that there is none other remedy thereof but that jesus christ must be fain to amend all again and make such a gathering and union as we may be knit again to our god 
And so you see the first point that we have to mark upon this text. Truly this thing is spoken in few words, but it had need to be mused upon more at length, for it is the thing whereabouts we ought to occupy ourselves both early and late, that when we look into ourselves we might bethink us in this wise, Who art thou, O wretched creature? For thou seest thou art separated from thy God, even from thy birth. Behold, thou art his enemy and inheritor of his wrath, and on the one side there is nothing in thyself which tendeth not to naughtiness and frowardness, and thou oughtest not only to feel this disorder in thine own person, but also to perceive that all things else are out of order through the whole world by reason of thy frowardness. Therefore let us sink down and be ashamed of it, and therewithal confess how much we be indebted unto God for his vouchsafing to gather us together in the person of his only Son, even us that have so torn asunder the things that he had set in so goodly order. And for the same cause St. Paul speaketh here not only of men which were estranged from God afore by reason of sin, but also of all things that are in heaven and earth, wherein he comprehendeth even the very angels. For although God's glory shined forth in them, and that they were never yet separated from him, yet nevertheless it stood them on hand to be gathered together by our Lord Jesus Christ, and that after two sorts. For albeit that they never swerved aside, nor fell from that they were at the first, and that God's righteousness do always show itself in them, insomuch that they be, as it were, mirrors and patterns of it, yet notwithstanding if God listed to look upon them with rigour, they should find themselves far short of the perfection of righteousness that is in him, as it is said in the book of Job. Furthermore, there is yet one other reason to be matched with this, which is, that the angels should not have such constancy and steadiness as were requisite, unless Jesus Christ had so established them, as they might never fall. Thus ye see one way how they were gathered together." But this gathering, whereof St. Paul speaketh here, is in respect of their uniting again unto us. For we know that inasmuch as we were banished out of God's kingdom, we were cut off from all hope of salvation, so as the angels were by and by fain to become our enemies, and should be so still, were it not for the atonement which we have with them again, by means of the head which is common to us both. And here ye see also why that in the ladder that was showed unto Jacob, it is said that God stood upon the top of it, and touched both heaven and earth, and the angels went up and down on it. Now our Lord Jesus Christ is the true living and everlasting God, which touched both heaven and earth, because that in his person God hath knit his own divine being, or substance, and the nature of man together. Thus, therefore, ye see that heaven is open, so as the angels begin to acquaint themselves with us, yea, and to become our servants, as is said in the epistle to the Hebrews, because the care of our souls is committed unto them, and they, as is said in the thirty and fourth psalm, encamp about us, and watch us, and are our keepers. Ye see, then, how we be united again to the angels of heaven by our Lord Jesus Christ, and that is the cause also why he said, From henceforth ye shall see the heavens open, and the Son of Man coming down in his majesty with his angels, whereby he doth us to wit that heaven was shut against us, and that we also were unworthy to find any favour at God's hand, and that yet notwithstanding, now that he is come to be our head, and hath made the atonement between his Father and us, and taken upon him the office of mediator, and is become the head not only of the faithful, but also of the angels, he hath gathered all together again in such wise, that whereas the devils make war against us, and practice our destruction without ceasing, the angels are armed with infinite power to maintain us. And although we see them not with our eyes, yet must we certainly believe that they watch for our welfare. Otherwise, what a thing were it? 
for we know that the devil is as a roaring lion, and seeketh nothing else but to devour us. We see what a number of slights he hath to wind about us with. Needs then must the angels have an infinite power to defend us withal. Also it must needs be that we be preserved under the protection of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is both their head and ours too. Thus you see briefly that the thing which St. Paul meant to tell us in this text, where he saith that we are gathered together again, is that we were scattered asunder before, and that we be not only reconciled to God by the death and passion of our Lord Jesus Christ, but also now henceforth knit again unto the angels, so as they are become our brethren and fellows, and God hath given them charge to guide and maintain us in all our ways, and to watch over us, and to be in continual battle for the withstanding of all the enemies that make war against us, till we be gathered all together into the rest of heaven. Now let us cast ourselves down before the majesty of our good God, with acknowledgment of our faults, praying him to make us so to feel them, as it may draw us to true repentance, and make us to continue the same all the time of our life, and that, yet notwithstanding, we may not cease to trust in him, and to offer ourselves boldly in his sight, forasmuch as our sins are scoured out by the blood that was shed for the washing of them, and that we may so frame ourselves to this doctrine, as we may all the time of our life acknowledge that, seeing he hath purchased us so dearly, we ought to give ourselves wholly to his service, and that, seeing he hath showed himself so good a redeemer towards us, we may not doubt, but he will continue his goodness from day to day, to the full finishing of the thing that he hath begun, and strengthen us in all our assaults, till he have delivered us from the cruelty of Satan, and of all his upholders, yea, and quite and clean taken us out of the world, to make us partakers of the happy blessedness whereunto he calleth us. That it may please him to grant this grace not only to us, but also to all people and nations, etc. End of Sermon 4